Well, hello, everybody. I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we want to welcome you to another episode of Making Biblical Family Life Practical. And one of the center points of Making Biblical Family Life Practical is our marriages. And today we have a special guest, our dear friends, Roger and Jan Smith. Roger is the author of Parenting with Influence, and they are speakers like we are. And how long have you guys been married? Uh, we just passed the 43-year mark, so 43 awesome. years born, uh, born. We were married in uh, 1980. So, And we are about to celebrate our 37th. That's right. Yes. That's right. So, so we got two old married couples here. Yeah. yeah what, I, what I would like for us to talk about today is what does a healthy marriage look like? And I want not big philosophical stuff, but let's talk about just characteristics, little things that make a big difference Let's talk about what does a healthy marriage look like day to day? I think it's a good idea to make a list of things that you respected about your spouse and what drew you to them so that on the days when you're not healthy, you can pull out that list and go, these are all the things that I loved about this person that I'm married to because not every day is going to be a good day, but I I think the mutual respect that Roger and I had for one another, that it was based on a real friendship. Yeah, I, I love that you say that because doing that saved one of my dear friend's marriages. <laughs> they had gotten in a really ugly place, and I asked her to, I said, tell me 10 things you love and respect about him, and he, she said, nothing. I said, well, list five things you loved and respected about him when you got married, because surely you loved him or you wouldn't have gotten married. And I said, I want you to tell him about those things one at a time over the next week. When she started expressing the things she loved about him, it just, it changed the marriage. Well, it and, reminded him of, of the man that he had been and had gotten away from, and their relationship had, had become rocky during that transition. So looking back to say, hey, where, where did we intend to be? Where did we start from that was a much better place? How do we get back there? And, and that's, that's a good thing, you know, to say... To remember, why were you attracted to one another to begin with? Well, I know we have loved helping our kids get ready for marriage because it's brought up lots of memories of when we were getting ready for marriage and helped us to, to remember those, the, you know, that, those fun feelings and the things that were going on. And, and so I think remembering, remembering where you came from is a good, is a good thing. Roger, you were, you were giving an illustration of the process of going along in a marriage, and I think that was pretty powerful. Can you bring that back out for our listeners? Yeah. You know, uh, we, we come to the marriage kind of like uh, uh, railroad tracks or tire tracks on a road. And, uh, you know, marriage is so much more than just running parallel and staying near one another. But at some point, unlike tire tracks or railroad tracks, we've got to have some connecting points. And, and sometimes we have to plan those. We have to look for ways to be connected whether it's through doing projects together, whether we, we read a book together, or, or even watching, well, watching a movie is sometimes a connecting point, but you're not really, you know, uh, aggressively pursuing one another. You just have a memory together. Not unless but, uh, you're like the youngs who talk uh, all the way through the movies. Uh, <laughs> uh, sounds like I don't need to watch a movie with you. Jan likes watching movies with me, don't you, Jan? Actually, that was our, on our one-month anniversary. That was our first fight. <laughs> we went to a movie in, at our, we, we married at 19 and 20. We were in college. Yeah. And so we, um, 
that was our first fight. Is I said something in the movie, and he said, "Be quiet." There are <laughs> and it other people here. Him. And so he, until later when he went to a movie with all my sisters, did he realize I had really been quiet for three-fourths of the movie <laughs> before I said one comment. So anyway, we had fun making up that night. But it was... Um, it so, but we do, uh, getting back to the tire tracks thing, uh, there are a lot of different ways that we can find connecting points, whether it's hobbies or projects, doing things with the kids, doing things for fun, you know, sitting on the back porch and looking at the stars, just finding... A few moments and planning for times for us to connect over something besides conflict. Yes. Conflict is normal. It happens. You know, we can focus on the conflict or we can focus on building a connection. And so uh, it's better to focus on those positive things. And it, and it doesn't have to be anything big. Right. You know, like we were talking earlier, it can be going to the store together, going shopping for groceries together. Exactly. Just Choosing to be together rather than apart, yeah. choosing to talk rather than shut up inside yourself. One when thing that I challenge husbands to do is whenever they go publicly with their wives is to hold her hand. And something yes. as simple as walking into a building or across a parking lot, holding your spouse's hand can do lots of good things for your relationship. And um, it, it's just, it's, so it's physically connecting as well you know not just in the sexual relationship but yes. in those respect mm -hmm. tenderness kindness uh so uh, as simple as holding your hand that, that seemed a lot real exciting when we were dating you know and we forget <laughs> right. that, that it's important right. yeah. you know and it's yeah, it important is. in all stages of our marriage so we've been married for 43 years and i still will reach out for her hand mm -hmm. and she always appreciates that so uh so it's things like that that we we look for ways to stay connected and not just running parallel lives and be just simply roommates in this enterprise of life. Yeah, you can't be well, roommates or colleagues or coworkers. That's not enough. It's not well, enough. I mean, we've—I think we've all seen it in older couples where, you know, I, I used to see it when we were in the military that you could see the retired couples coming into the the commissary on base, and you could just sense the tension between the wife and her retired naval officer husband that they had spent most of their marriage separated, literally. Mm -hmm. And so now he's at home, and they don't have that connection. Wow. It's just like he's an interference in her management of the home, or or she, you know, he doesn't know the woman that he married because he was married to the Navy for so long. And, I, you know, I think what you said is very, it, that's a really important thing. It, it doesn't have to be. In fact, it really shouldn't be just the big things. Yeah. But just making eye contact. You know, yes. that's, it's remarkable how easily we forget to make eye contact with people because we're so distracted. Yeah. We're so distracted and we distract ourselves even with good things. Yeah, or we're staring at our phone. Yeah. And what do our eyes communicate when we look at one another? Mm -hmm. Do we communicate desire mm -hmm. and love mm -hmm. and affection for that spouse? Mm -hmm. Do our children see that in yes. our eyes? Mm -hmm. You know, when we look at one another... Or do they see daggers or anger or well, frustration? And, you know, looking at somebody's eyes can tell you when you've got a problem. Yeah. You know, I know our kids don't think we have any conflict at all. You were just la laughing that your kids said the same thing. Are you mm -hmm. qualified to talk about conflict? Y'all mm -hmm. don't have conflict. We do have conflict, and so do you. But we, we try to catch it when it's really, really small. That's yeah, true. if I see that hurt feeling come in Hal's eyes mm -hmm. or annoyance come in Hal's eyes, I'm like, uh-oh, what's wrong? 
Yeah, I want to make it right immediately. And so when conflict dealt with when it's small, never becomes big and nasty. Well, I, you know, I, you told a story on yourselves, and, and I, hope, I hope you don't mind me bringing this out, but um, you had someone working in the house here uh, one day when one of you made a mistake or an omission and brought it to the other's attention. And well, you have the, to tell more of the story. Well, people don't understand it. Well, Jan, I think you had forgotten to mail a bill that Roger mm-hmm. had asked you to mail. It was a package. Uh, AS. Okay. <laughs> okay. And Roger said, Jan, I really needed you to mail that. And he sounded just a tiny bit annoyed. Mm-hmm. And you immediately said, oh, no, I am so sorry. I meant to do this and I forgot. I'm going to take it right now. And you grabbed the package and grabbed your keys and went out the door. And the person that was here working was just astounded that nobody slammed a door. Nobody raised their voice. Nobody, there were no recriminations. It was like, you could just like resolve things. Because see, Helen really? and I were here with the lady that was cleaning your house. And she was just like, I've never seen anything like that. Did you see that? What in the world? They, you know, she was stunned that y'all could resolve that conflict and move on without having a big, ugly fight. Well, you know, it's rooted in the, the, the position that we've chosen to adopt, and it's that we believe the best in one another. And, mm-hmm. and so if, if, when folks have a lot of baggage, it's hard to get to that point, but you can get there to where I trusted that Jan fully intended Mm-hmm. to be responsible for the thing that I asked her to do that was important to me. Right. And yeah. she was, I didn't take it personally. I didn't take it as a slam that yes. she didn't respect me or didn't, you know, it was, uh, so I believe the best. And where we can believe the best in one another, the mistakes remain small. Yes. When we don't believe the best, we magnify, you know, as they say, make a mountain out of a molehill. Yes. And so we start making it into a whole character issue. I can't trust right. you. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it just puts feet on the, uh, on that First Corinthians thirteen passage that mm-hmm. says that love believes all things. Yes. And it bears all things. Right. That and when we love each all. other, yeah, it hopes all things that we mean the best toward one another, and in the day to day aggravations, if we're already aggravated with the children, it's easy to snap at our husband. Yeah. Instead of believing that we're partnering together on things, that it um, it's just really important for us to 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 maintain the as of the highest importance that marriage relationship. That I, I know that I work with a lot of young moms right now in my life, and I see I, I remember now how hard it was to have three little ones. On you all the time. They are very physically demanding. out by the end of the day. That's right. And Mm -hmm. yet, that is such an important part of a relationship from newlyweds trying to figure it all out together to people that have been married for 40 years like Roger and I, that it's that physical relationship that God intended it for our good. Yes. From the beginning to the end. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that that is worth making a priority because Satan can get a wedge in there mm-hmm. and think that he just doesn't like me anymore. He doesn't want me. And he's trying to be sensitive that maybe she's tired and frustrated. And you get it's so easy to get our wires crossed in that, com- that intimacy communication. And I think it's important. It's important to work on it. Roger and I are always working on just stopping to kiss one another, to do yes. you know a 30-second kiss. Yes. That used to, 
that that was just such an exciting thing, but it's still an important thing even after when, 40 years. Even when you're really busy and you've kissed a million times. Mm-hmm. That's right. And even when it's not leading to sex. Yes. Just, Especially. That's right. Just, Especially. I love you and I care. Yeah. Some of the big issues. And a little more than just a peck. Yes. yes. More than a peck. Thank you. <laughs> yes. More than a peck, but not let's go to bed. Yes. <laughs> Submission is another issue like that that in, I think that can get out of whack that should be a non-issue because if if submission is a big issue in your marriage, then, then you got deeper wrong. problems. That's right. You got deeper wrong. problems because, you know, it's almost, I can't remember a time it's ever been an issue in our marriage because mm-hmm. we make sure we're in agreement about stuff. How loves me so much. He values my opinion. I love him so much. I am grateful he's, he's leading our family that, you know, I don't know. If it's getting to the point that people are having to lay down the law, then you're not listening to each other, you know? Well, you know, you were saying before we started the recording, Roger, that we're all familiar with the passage in Ephesians 5, and and people grab onto the submission verse, but they don't don't seem to remember that it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and did what? And gave himself for her. You know, it's like... Yeah, wife, submit to your husband. Husband, you know, Jesus died for the church. Are you willing to die for your wife? Yeah, and, and, and and so you know, I ask people oftentimes whenever yeah, the, we yeah. get to this point where he says and Jesus died for the church yeah. and say, okay, well, let's say, we're, we're, did he love the church in other ways besides his death? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and if we get people to stop and think and characterize, what was mm-hmm. Jesus' love like? Yes. That's right. You know, and he is our model. And, and so and, and take that in, take into consideration how has the church acted? Yeah. Has the church always been perfectly yeah. lovable? That's right. Uh-uh. And did no. he wait until the church was worthy of his love? No. no, and he didn't storm around saying, It's my way or the highway. Oh, you messed up. Boom. No, yeah. that's not the way he's dealt yeah, with his know, bride. This is something you are fantastic at. You are absolutely fantastic. Y'all, mm-hmm. so Hal's birthday was recently, and we have a tradition in our family that everybody at the celebration, and mm-hmm. the ones away too, share mm-hmm. something they love or respect right. about mm-hmm. the we person who's beyond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And everybody, they mentioned different things, but everybody mentioned, Dad is the most self-sacrificial person I have ever met. It's hard to even get him to voice an opinion sometimes about what he wants, because he's always, well, what do you want? And you know it's not it's not hard to follow a man like that, y'all. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I know he has our family, mine and our kids' best interest at heart all the time. Well, okay. Now, one thing that's been mentioned already, and I think this is a key to an awful lot of this, is communication. Yes. And we can talk for hours and hours about that. But what would you say is the the number one, the simplest advice that you can give on? building a, a good communication culture between a couple. Can you, can you boil it down? Roger always talks about a husband being a student of his wife. Mm-hmm. And I think starting from a place of understanding, you know, in First, in first Peter it says that, that husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. Yes. And we think that that incorporates understanding their temperament, their personality, 
their time clock, you know, are they a morning person or are they a night person? Mm-hmm. So I think all of that affects communication because if he tried to talk with me at 1030 at night, that would not be a wise choice. I'm or a morning person. 630 in the morning for me. Or the same for him. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he, you know, that's not a time that I need to try to talk to him. So understanding what it is about that person that is important to them and how they think and how they work I think is a is a key to communication. You know, that verse, Hale pointed something out recently, that that verse says, live with your wife in an understanding way that your prayers may not be hindered. Yeah. That's pretty serious. That is pretty serious. But if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, your prayers are going to be hindered? <laughs> well, I know one thing. If things are not well between us, I don't want to pray. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, they'd be hindered in a lot of different ways, you yeah. know. So, but it's, it's serious, is what it is. It I is was not serious. impressed with your view of male <laughs> leadership, sir. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So, um, you know, uh, I love one of the statements that uh, says, "In any other endeavor in life, uh, whether it's golf or work or whatever, you don't expect automatic success. You expect to have to work to get better at it. But somehow we have this idea that marriage should be automatic. Mm. And, it, it, and, and we do not put in the work to understand one another. It does take work for me to be a student of my wife, to know her, to know what makes her tick, and know what's a good time to talk to her, and know whenever she reacts emotionally to something what that really means and what is the background to that. And, you know, so it's something that we we learn one another more and more over time. And we shouldn't use that knowledge as a weapon. Right. It should be a tool to help us Mm -hmm. to communicate more effectively. So Mm -hmm. in regard to the biologic clock, Jan Mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, uh, Jan's eyes open and and her brain has even started in hyperspeed before her foot touches the floor. But... I am uh, I'm a slow starter, and so she's always rattling off these lists of to-do things for the day, and I say, Jan, mm-hmm. please, um, I'm very interested. I try to make this yeah. I'm interested in what needs to be done. If you could write that list down, mm-hmm. that would be better for me. <laughs> so right. don't, don't give me the machine gun verbal you know, approach mm-hmm. before 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, and... But I had to respectfully appeal yes. for that. So all of those things come into to, to, to play is that, and we value that. You know, at first she thought that my slow start was kind of a moral failure. You know, that somehow it was bad character on my part. Uh-huh. I just can't get my motor running. Right. You know, right. Yeah. You know and so we, we learn to appreciate those things in one another and be, be okay with it. We have something very similar. I have a hard time shutting down at night, and I have insomnia. And if we talk about business stuff late at night, I cannot sleep. I will toss and turn all night. And the business may just be the business of the family. Like, well, exactly. we've got a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Don't forget we need to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and then, anything, I'm, then my sleep is destroyed. Real, real life is not on the agenda after 10 p.m. So we have a rule. At 10, after 10 p.m., you do not talk to Melanie about anything involving real life. Fiction, you can talk about fictional characters. Yeah. But nothing... You tell me about the book, the mystery story you're reading, but nothing real life after 10 p.m. And, and sometimes she'll say, pal, what time is it? And I say, oh, I'm sorry, we'll talk about that tomorrow. 
But see, I, but see, I've had to kind of turn the thing around because I'm more like you, Roger. And I like to get up in the morning and kind of take my time getting ready and get that second or third cup of coffee yeah. going and rest. And I had to say, Melanie, you don't want me to talk about real life after 10 p.m. I don't want to talk about it before 10 a.m. <laughs> yes, because I wake up and my brain is in full gear. I open my eyes and I'm immediately looking at the agenda for the day. And poor Hal, he'll say, sometimes I'm just rattling and he'll say, Good morning, honey. I'll go, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Good morning, Hal. And that, and that is a code language. That's you know, code we, all, language. we all have code languages. Yes. yes. Or we should. Sometimes yes. we need words that unoffensively say, I've had enough. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and we need a pause here. Yeah. It is not that I don't care. So right. it's just so over time, hopefully, people can develop some type of comical code word that mm-hmm. says, not now, honey. Not now, honey. I care, but not now. And I think that's what the scriptures talk about when it says accept one another mm-hmm. as Christ accepted us. Because we are all created. Those things yeah. are a part of who we are yes. and have been since we were born. So we were created in those ways. And that as we learn to accept one another, that that's such a precious part of a healthy marriage of, you know, we take the good, the bad, and the ugly, mm-hmm. and, and some things, no yeah, and some things it's not a good or a bad, it's just a difference. Yes, mm. it's a difference. But, Roger couldn't accept the fact that when we got married, he just thought if I stood up straight and held my toothbrush right, that I would not froth and, and spew, you know, because <laughs> you brush your teeth when I brush my teeth, yes. But mm. I, it, you know, he learned that there really was no way. Yes. I've just produced a different volume of slobber. And, that or in, the, yeah. and <laughs> in, the, in the end, that part didn't really matter. You know, I just yeah. I just didn't have to watch. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I tell you, y'all, yeah. y'all are a joy. We could I'm talk so. all day. I want to tell people, uh, Roger and Jan mm-hmm. do fantastic marriage retreats. They're available mm-hmm. to come talk to your church. Mm-hmm. They can contact you at? RogerSmithMD.com. And there is there is a uh, speaker contact uh, tab on there. So if someone has an interest in us coming to an event, uh, short or long, we do, you know, multi-day events are, are, you know, one or two hours. And so you can contact us there, rogersmithmd.com. Hell, and I also do marriage retreats and marriage weekends for churches. And you can mm-hmm. find our speaking contact at hellandmelanie.com. And we'd love to do one together sometime. Wouldn't that be, Wouldn't that be a blast? Yeah, be We'd have so much fun. That. Yeah. All right. Well, look, looks like our time is about up. So we just want to thank Roger and Jan for being on the show with us today. It's always a pleasure talking with you. And uh, until next time, I'm Hal. And I'm Melanie. And we hope you'll join us again as we take biblical principles into the 21st century family. So thanks for joining us this time. Bye, y'all. You've been listening to Making Biblical Family Life Practical with Hal and Melanie Young. If you found this program interesting, challenging, and encouraging, why not join us on the web at halandmelanie.com. That's H-A-L-A-N-D-M-E-L-A-N-I-E.com. Or follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Hal and Melanie or Facebook.com slash Raising Real Men. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Join us next week when we'll be back to talk about making biblical family life practical. Until then, thank you and God bless you for listening.